This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. I have preached the prodigal son more times since I've opened Good Landing Recovery than I have in my entire ministry career combined. And it is a, a favorite of the most broken. Um, I, you know, I believe that it's, it's one of the most well-known parables. I mean, honestly, if you have a pulse and live in America and you've ever set foot inside of a church, you probably know of the prodigal son. But it just resonates with the hearts of the, of the broken. And really all of us, as we come to an understanding of, 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 of our sin and, and that, that even if we don't know the difference between you know, crystal meth and a doorknob, the, the truth is, is that when the Holy Spirit, that, that we begin to understand our sin, no matter you know, how great or how small that we understand before a holy and perfect God that it's huge and we're all prodigals. And we desperately need to know the love of the Father just like the prodigal son did. And as is, is, is I look at, at this story and um, the, the, the way that it ministers to people, the way that it shows Jesus, the way that it reveals the heart of the Father, and it, and it, it exposes this religious spirit that, that kills people. You know, you hear about it all the time. I mean, I walked in the church, and I felt like I was judged. And, and sometimes that's just in people's minds, but sometimes that's real. I mean, sometimes that is the person that walks in that still has alcohol on their breath and, you know, still has dope running through their veins. And, 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 and they do feel so judged because, number one, people don't understand. You know, they've got a form of godliness but denying his power and they have no idea how to help, you know, th- this sp- sp- specific group of people who desperately need to know the love of Jesus. Let's spend a little time there today. So... In Luke 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I mean, it's interesting to me that the worst of the worst, the tax collectors and the sinners and the drunks and the, you know, I mean, all these people, they're drawn to Jesus. But one thing, too, I want to make clear because you hear this all the time is, you know, probably whenever a parent is, is telling their kid, hey, tell me who your friends are. I'll tell you who you are. You don't need to be able to hang around these certain people. They're going to bring you down. And, and the response is, well, Jesus hung out. Was it, let, let me tell you something. Yeah, Jesus did do that. But Jesus never compromised who he was to be able to relate to them. Jesus never did a little bit of meth to say, hey, I want to level the playing field with you so that you understand that, that I'm on your team or whatever like that. He never compromised who he was, and yet people were still drawn to grace and truth. Now, what you have to understand right here is, is that these people are gathering around. So Jesus starts to tell a series of parables, and he's starting, and, and, and really these are tremors before he comes, and he drops this final bomb with the prodigal son. And so it says, you know, in verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, the way that I picture this is, you know, everybody's got their, their version of, of, of the prodigal son, of teachers and pastors who, who present this parable and expound on it, right? So the way that I always see it is I grew up in North Mississippi, you know, kind of agricultural farm town, and I see this kid who is sitting on this multi-million dollar empire, this, you know, 5,000, 10,000 acre farm that his father's built, and this kid is sitting on this 
unbelievable opportunity to be able to help run this thing with this brother. And then I see this goofball, knuckleheaded cousin that comes in for a family reunion and he's wearing fake leather pants and he starts to tell the country bumpkin about designer drugs and he starts to tell him about the women in the city and about the lights and about the ecstasy and the Vicks vapor, you know, I mean, and just all the nonsense that comes along with this party scene. And this kid hears this and he starts to, to grow this affection for um, and this fascination with this party lifestyle. And he hears about business opportunities and maybe he goes and visits this, this, and then obviously there's nothing wrong with the city. Okay. I live in the city, but, but I just, Come with me now, right? I mean, I can just see this, you know, of this of this kid, this this farm boy going to the city, you know, seeing this live, getting introduced to the to the party scene, and you know, b- you know, business ideas and blah blah blah. And finally, he goes back and he's there on his John Deere, and he's making laps, making laps, making laps, and. He, he, he just is growing so disgruntled with his father. He has no respect for his father, thinks his father's an idiot. His father doesn't know anything. He's just an old redneck. I hate the way you talk. I hate the way you think. I hate the way you do business. You know, I can't stand being out here in this sun, you know, not realizing the the opportunity that he's sitting on, right? I mean, this this is a picture of, of many of us at different seasons in our life, and he lost perspective. And finally, he comes to his father, and he's just like, give me the money. I mean, just the absolute epitome of arrogance. Give me my inheritance before you die, old man. I, I can't stay here another second underneath your leadership and your influence. Give me the money. I'm going to the city and I'm getting ready to 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 go a hundred times with your money. And f- finally, the father, you know, realizes, hey, I can't, I can't reach him anymore, and he lets him go. Right. I think this is such a strong word for you know parents who you know that are that are on the front end of addiction. And and the father doesn't run after him and chases him down and 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 hear me on that. I mean, they they always look different, right? That you know, d- d- interventions can can look different. And this isn't like a, you know, this this perfect you know cookie cutter. This is how it has to look. But you know, th- th- there is a way to be able to love people during hard seasons of their life. This is what this particular father did during this season. Because he knew that there was no other way to be able to reach him. So the kid goes out. You guys know the story, right? Goes out, wastes his money on prodigal living, blows all the money, ends up in the pig pen, broke. I mean, you know how it is. When you got all the money and you've got the ideas and you're getting ready to invest and you've got the big sack of dough, you know what I'm saying? You can't beat your friends off of you with the stick. But eventually, you know, it, it's, it's, the, it's the picture of the cycle of addiction. It's the cycle of, of pride and arrogance and selfishness that drives this kid to where he loses everything. He no longer has any friends. He ends up in the pig pen, which is skid row for a young Jewish boy to find himself there with the hogs. And it says, and he came to himself. I remember Billy Graham saying in one of his crusades, blessed is it when a young man or a young woman, when they come to themselves. He has this moment of clarity and he says, man, it was better for me back in my father's house. I'd rather go back and wash toilets. I would rather go back and be a servant in my father's house, even though I know that I can never be a son again, right? He starts practicing his little speech you know, it's just, you know, remi- reminds me of all those times whenever I'd be out and, 
you know, I'd gotten in trouble and I'm, you know, thinking of my speech that I'm going to tell my dad whenever I got back. The majority of mine were going to be lies and not from, from the right heart. But what's interesting right here is, is, is this kid's brokenness. You know, as he comes back and he starts walking home, he's not coming back with this entitled attitude. He's coming back with a level of brokenness that said that God will, will not resist a broken and contrite heart. I'm telling you, do not forget that in your life. God will not resist a broken and contrite heart. And we should not operate in pride. You know, I'll see people that will come in to, to Good Landing or, you know, in treatment centers that I was in back in the day. And, you know, they, they come in on day one. They're so broken. They'll do anything. You know, take my phone. I don't care. I'll do anything that you say. And then a few days later, it's always the benchmark for me where I can get a real pulse on it. And, and, and they, they emerge, they finally get some sleep, and they get a shower, their strength and their color and everything starts to come back. And, you know, the first thing they get on the phone with their parents, where are my cigarettes? Where's my money? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You just literally cost your parents hundreds of thousands of dollars. They just paid for an attorney to get you out of your third DUI. You know, you, 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 you've been out there doing meth, you've been stealing from them, you've been doing everything, and yet three days into the journey, you're demanding cigarettes and you want an extra egg crate for your bed. Like, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand that that's that same thing that has been fueling that monster of addiction that brought you? And obviously, we all know that drugs are just, just, just a symptom of what's going on underneath the surface, and we've got to be able to deal with that. But this kid right here, after he had lost everything, the prodigal son, and he's coming home, and I just have this picture of this loving father who every day is going out to his porch, going out to the front of his house, and looking down the road and saying, man, is this the day? Man, is my son alive? When's he going to come to his senses? When is he going to come back home? I hope he's doing okay. And he sees him from a long way off, and this father doesn't walk back inside and say, oh, there he is. I'm going to make him crawl up to the front steps. I'm going to make him grovel and beg and, 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 and put all these you know, weird rules around him. But the father runs. He runs to his son. I mean, I can just see this picture of this father. Just thank God my son's alive. You know, recognizes his, 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 his walk you know, from a long way off and runs and jumps on his son and loves his son and falls on him and kisses him and puts the robe. The kid's trying to give his speech and his dad is like, stop with that. Stop with that. Here is the robe. Here's the ring. Kill the fatted calf. Cut the ribeyes. Put them on the grill. We are getting ready to party because my son who was dead, who was lost, who I didn't know if I was ever going to see again. He has come back home, and there's great rejoicing. That is the picture of the love of the Father. He's not this angry, cosmic killjoy up in the sky who, who hates having fun and just this awful way that he's been depicted by you know, to so many people, but in fact that he's this loving father who rejoices and he sings and he dances over you when you're unaware. These, these are the things that we need to know about God because that is what is going to usher us into this living, loving, vibrant relationship with God, our Father. And I hope, it's my hope today that this parable, like it's done for so many people at Good Landing and like it's done for the millions of people over the years that it's been preached and taught ever since Jesus delivered it up, 
that it would do that for you today as you listen in your car, as you listen on your phone or wherever today that you would be encouraged to, to enter in to realize that God, that he's not angry at you. And though that you may have, 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 have had things that, 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 that have happened in your life that you don't really understand, that one thing that you can trust is that foundationally that God is good and that he loves you and that he has a plan for your life. Be encouraged. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.